Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. It's the end of ish January, so we've got a combination of transfer deadlines and everything happening there. We've got a combination of it being a very busy time at work for me. And oh, did I mention that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to Super Bowl 57? I should have mentioned that because they are. Um, that was like the worst intro I think I've ever done, but I'm running with it anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for tuning in. Um, your Philadelphia Eagles are NFC champions. We're not a NFL podcast, but we are fans of Philadelphia sports as we both grew up in the area. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm riding a high. I know you are. And I, I didn't even get a chance to say this before we started recording. Uh, I was supposed to watch with Rian yesterday and watch this game. Uh, turns out the trains getting to Rion just don't function at critical times of the weekend. So, yeah, we just didn't get a chance to watch the game together. But anyway, hi, Rion. <laughs> Hello, dude. I, I'm it, just a, a great victory Monday, uh, especially was that two and five years. Now, we went, went a long time in our life without seeing the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl once. Uh, or just the one time in the first... The like, one time when we were kids. <laughs> when we were the first, like, 17, 18 years of our yeah. lives. Uh, and, yeah, now two and five years. Like, yes, I'm just going to glow about this a little bit. And I don't care that the game was, again, over after basically six minutes again. <laughs> we <put it> around, <laughs> like, basically over after after a quarter. Um, but, Yeah. No, no, I I will say it did feel still kind of nervy because like the 49ers defense really? are <laughs> very good. No, 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 I mean up to a certain point, like not the whole time. Um, yeah, like I'll say it felt if my last nerve, my the last nerve that I had completely like dissipated when the 49ers quarterback couldn't catch the, sh- the snap. It hit him straight in the hands, and then, and then that is after that. That, that was yeah. when I was like, "Okay, never mind. Like, this is this is really done." Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. And then he went out with a concussion, which was just after like that, on that same yeah. play, which is yeah. just tough. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't care as well. That game... I'll say, I'll say that it, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Obviously, the feel like. like 20 minutes in being able to be like, okay, yeah, this is pretty safe. That, that was, that was cool. A bit anticlimactic, but yeah, but yeah, still, still obviously enjoy the fact that we'll have enough nerves for the actual Super Bowl. So that's, is what it is. And I mean, I yeah, we're wait. playing a very good team. Um, but look at the end of the day, two and five years, that's most than most teams like ever get to really say. So I'm very grateful for that. I'll take that and run. Um, what else, what else happened this weekend? There were, I mean, there were a couple of football games, but honestly, majority of this podcast is going to be transfer related. Cause we are at least time of recording is January 30th. So one day before the transfer window actually closes in January. And we haven't really had a chance to, to talk about some of those things. Um, come next week. I don't know what we're going to talk. Cause there's not going to be, um, any football on. So, God, maybe our podcast is useless. Anyway. Next, all right. next week? Why next week? <laughs> well, next week there's no... No, I meant NFL football. You just didn't pick up oh, on my terrible got it, jokes. Got it, got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just going to move on like that didn't happen. Anyway, um, let's talk about actual European football. Let's start with uh, the FA Cup, which, of course, there were no Premier League games this past weekend. Rian, we briefly touched on this last week with City versus Arsenal. We briefly got a chance to talk about both those teams individually. And I mentioned, obviously, that the, both of these teams were uh, going to play each other in, in the FA Cup. <sighs> I have a running list of some of the most boring games in my head this season. This one might be in the top five. And I didn't expect it to be in the top five, which is a damn shame. But did you find it equally as boring or is this just like a me thing? No, I, I speaking of like anticlimactic games, right? Like this is this one was that should have been my transition. Um, <laughs> but it it's surprising because I think City only made two changes from their from their league game going into this one, um, and Arsenal rotated six players um, for the, to start this game, and I mean. 
I, I'm going to take a lot of observations from this game with a, with a grain of salt, of course, because the intensity of the occasion is not the same as obviously when they when they're going to end up playing each other in the league and um, two weeks, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a midweek game. I think both of, unfortunately, I think both of their games they play against each other are midweek games. So yeah. that's that kind of just sucks for a viewer. <laughs> but um, to just like talk about the the FA Cup game, though, um, yeah, don't want to take too many observations from this and 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 really like it's like significant observations. But I don't know if I'm on the Arsenal side, I probably feel pretty good about that how that game went overall considering again they made they changed half of their starting lineup city only made a couple changes and generally the city didn't threaten them that much like they obviously end up they went up winning the game one nil right but they didn't threaten very much um in that game overall and i thought especially when you saw Odegaard come on and Martinelli come on in the last like 15, 20 minutes. There was a lot of pressure from Arsenal. And again, that's, that's a good sign. I think in that they were able to put that sustained pressure on city for a lot of those, those last 15, 20 minutes. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think neither side should, should get that high or low about this, but um, I think Arsenal should feel encouraged the fact that they, that they rotated like that and, it's not like they rotated and then got destroyed, which would have which would have been an easy yeah. an easy like excuse as well to be like, all right, well we rotated half our team and and we lost two three nil or something like that. But they handled City pretty well defensively, like, even with all the changes. They did, and and I'll say, bar Nathan Ake being well, probably one of City's most informed players and finding himself in a really good position for that goal. This is a nil nil after full time. Um, like in all honesty, there weren't that many. Big chances with the exception of Rob Holding potentially making himself the new Harry Maguire. Uh, that's the only thing that I could potentially think of uh, for, for against Erling Holland, obviously one-on-one, but that didn't happen. Matt Turner, I thought, had a, a pretty decent game, um, and that was really, really great to see as the U.S. Men's National Team number one, obviously, um, continuing pretty good run of form from the World Cup through, through to his cup competitions for Arsenal. I think... I didn't really take that much away from this game, quite honestly, either. The only thing that I could potentially add as an outcome to this game is Arsenal might have come out the winners in this, in that they are still very obviously fighting for the chance to win the Premier League, which is their most important trophy by far this season. And they are certainly one of the favorites to win the Europa League. Now, with those two trophies as the only two real competitions that they need to focus on now... The FA Cup just doesn't become relevant to them. Well, obviously, because they're out of it. But most importantly, from a depth perspective, they don't have to worry about playing, you know, four or so extra games. I I haven't done the math of how many extra games they would actually play, but um, at least four or five, maybe extra games if they were to make it that far. That, I think, is a a pretty big burden off of a surging team right now. And... In some ways, I feel like they almost benefit from having that transition from not having three competitions and just having to focus on two. Yeah, and, and just think about like which of these two teams could deal with playing in three or four competitions at once right now. Which one, which team is better equipped to do that? And it's Manchester City still, although getting slightly thinner after after today's movement. We'll get to that. Better. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Arsenal could have could afford it. Um, less than Manchester City, right? The the dangers of of what could happen with a couple more starters being out. I mean, look, we saw in this game the the difference when Partey is out with them, um, and and uh, the, there hasn't been much of a difference with Jesus being out, right? But I'm sure they don't want to test <laughs> test these waters like any more nope. for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think ultimately our social, from a depth perception feel relieved is the wrong word, but yeah, this makes it easier for them to manage their squad for the rest of the season. Yeah, 100%. And I guess there isn't that much more to say about these two um, fine results uh, in in all things considered. Um, I, I do want to move on, just touch on Brighton versus Liverpool. Um, a game, of course, that saw Liverpool again lose 
I mean, like, not necessarily. No, no, it was a pretty convincing win from Brighton. I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't really know how to sugarcoat this. <laughs> I mean, Liverpool. They were. It was a two-one win, and yes, the, uh, Brighton did score very late to to win the game. But yeah, they were outplaying Liverpool the entire, like, almost the entire game. It really wasn't that much different than the three-no loss just a few weeks ago. Uh, and so, you know, it's just another great, another good result for Brighton that they're great season continues their january has been really really good as well um i don't think i need tea man I'm, I'm literally as i as i do the research right now but um their january i think they, they definitely had the best record of any english team in that time uh and in their five games that they played that four wins and a draw it scored 16 goals in, in those games uh so the, the team's flying right now, of course, and this is just—I mean, this is awesome season for them in general. Like, like we we know they're playing in, now, playing in two competitions. Like, of course, they'll have to deal with some depth rotation questions for the short term, but it's still playing at the level of like one of the six or seven best teams in the league right now, and I think a top six or seven place and and a good cup ride will be a fantastic season for them uh so again all all the credit to brighton and then on liverpool side i mean there's not much not much else to say it's the same team more or less um i mean that might be the problem yeah uh, in this game fabinho didn't start it was uh the 18 year old uh Bajicetic, who i think in the games that he's played is come in he's, and he's looked great looked good and looked like a like it's weird to say but an upgrade at this current moment over Fabinho and and I don't know what the factors are that are going into Fabinho's poor season and how much of it is simply down to age or what we talked about last week or just the amount of games that he's also played in the last three years so I mean he came on and and almost got a red card. Probably should have had a red card. Uh, and then, like, a couple other just, like, plays with Liverpool players being very, very aggressive. And it's... I mean, your aggression with for them is always usually met, like, the pressing, right? But we saw, like, some aggressive, like, tackles and, like, almost frustration at times, which was surprising and... You know, maybe it just kind of says where they are in the season right now. They're, there's a good reason for a lot of those players to be frustrated. It's been a, it's been a bad season, so I, I don't know. It's it's not a remotely a, a surprising result, or that the game went the way that it did. <laughs> and so I don't I, that that's pretty much the end for me. I have nothing much more to say <laughs> on, on, on it. No, I agree. I, I will say to give, uh, not that we're doing this in this section because it's a unique podcast, to give our flowers to, um, we've given them to Deserby, we've given them to Brighton as a whole, but to do it in the context of Deserby coming in months ago, we're not measuring this in terms of years, we're measuring this in terms of months, while having gone through the loss of Ben White, Trossard, potentially Caicedo, all absolutely major and key factors for this Brighton team is truly nothing short of incredible coaching. Um, so I'll, I'll at least say that about Brighton. As for Liverpool, I think they need to have a serious look in the mirror as to who their core is for the next two to three years and who they're keeping around. Because that that has to now be the conversation. I don't think this is just like a Jurgen Klopp thing. It, it, this, this downfall was always going to happen. It was just a matter of when. But the key around this, as we've seen with all great teams, that like, I look at City, right, and their dominance over the last seven, eight years has truly been recruitment and smart signings and intelligent sign. Like, the, we're going to talk about all these transfers and, and moving transfer players on, right? And, and moving, moving players, players on, on at, the, at the right or, or what they deem the right time, of course. Yeah, 100%. And, and, we might not be in that situation right now with Liverpool. That's going to be their their key, I think, for the next couple of years. But, Rian, I guess we can move away from England because other than yeah. those two... Um... The, the, the one other thing I'll quickly quickly mention, uh, on Sunday, yeah. I watched a, a lot of the Wrexham game against Sheffield United. Uh, yes. Watching with my girlfriend, who's watched a lot of the Wrexham show, of course, and... 
and uh I mean, it was a great game it was it ended three three and and they actually should have won they should have won the game they i think they had like twenty odd shots against Sheffield United a team that's likely in the be championship, right yeah and and is in in the top two right now in the championship likely to be a Premier <laughs> League team next season so Wrexham to that was was great and then also the, the pans to uh Ryan Gosling not Gosling oh my gosh Ryan, uh, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds uh after every goal was also great just great camera direction like he was genuinely living with every um goal so that, that was a fun exp- that was fun to watch that that game uh I will not be watching any of like their league games, of course. But ESPN kind of went all out for that for that FA Cup game, and it was actually a very exciting game. What I love about uh, that entire situation as well was that Rob McElhenney is uh, was not at the game because he was at the Eagles game. <laughs> that encapsulates yeah, was, yeah. true pride. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think they said he was like watching it at a bar or something. He was. Right. He was interviewed. Yeah. The Eagles game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. In fact, I love him a lot more. <laughs> so no, no shot fired at all. Um, yes, I'm actually very curious where Wrexham kind of go from here. I was keeping tabs on the game. I didn't watch it, but every time there was a notification or a goal, um, I was I was very interested. So <laughs> I I will say um, now I believe they could play. Is it Spurs in in the next round? Um, I I'll have to double check that. that double double check that while we transition they over. Replay, they have a replay at Sheffield United, so obviously every, they got to get past right. Sheffield, but um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I'll I'll check while we're uh, while we're talking. <laughs> here. Amazing. All right. Well, while Rian's figuring out what the potential situation for Wrexham is, if they do beat Sheffield United in the replay. We're going to transition shift focus over towards La Liga. Now, this past weekend, we had, let's say, two pretty major moments. Uh, Real Madrid playing Real Sociedad, uh, basically two top four teams uh, at this point, and the Copa del Rey draw, which actually took place this morning. And we'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to ruin the surprise there. But, Rian, Sid Lowe actually asked this question to Ancelotti after the, uh, the game, and he asked them, do you enjoy these nil-nil draws? Because it was a really, really entertaining game uh, to which Ancelotti responded, no, no, I don't. <laughs> which I think uh, Sid Lowe probably realized was not the best question to to ask him, but I think self-admittedly as well. But this was probably one of the most entertaining like draws I've seen in a while, at least nil-nil draws for sure, uh, in a game that saw over 20 shots um, and quite honestly, two standout players and two players, two young players that I, as much as it pains me to say, I think are extreme talents in La Liga. Uh, Vinicius and Takekubo. Vinicius, I think, was the star of this Real Madrid show. He had one of the best chances of the game. He himself racked up like .4 XG himself <laughs> across this game. And he attempted the highest record number of dribbles in a La Liga match by any player since the 2005-2006 season, 21 dribbles. 21 dribbles. He only completed nine of them. But tw- attempting 21 dribbles is actually outrageous. That is insane. So um, I have to give him his flowers for that. And Take Kubo himself, he, I think, tied. I forget who else he tied um, with Real Sociedad, on Real Sociedad's uh, bench, I believe. Long story short, he had four shot-creating actions that, basically all the major chances went through him. And quite honestly, Real Sociedad could have won this game. But <laughs> I think I think both, uh, I would say Real Sociedad would probably be happy with walking away with a point. Um, but any any commentary that you'd like to have on on Real Madrid or Real Sociedad? I mean, they're, they're past their mini-crisis era, which seems to come like every January. <laughs> For for Real Madrid, yeah, you were you were ready, you were ready for it to begin again. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think from just thinking about like Vinicius, what's been really impressive this season is the fact that when Benzema has been out, he's carried that burden for for Madrid, and I think that last season a lot of their success was Vinicius. And Benzema, and specifically like that connection, 
right? But this season, we've seen that Vinicius has taken up that kind of leadership. I mean, for lack of a better term, leadership. Like, there's all different types of leadership. Like, it could be whatever you do on the field or off it, right? But in terms of kind of taking the responsibility of being the guy who has to be the kind of main chance creator or, you know, knowing that you're going to get the ball a lot and you're going to have to be the guy who progresses the ball for us. Um, And not all the time, because obviously they have great center midfielders in in Cruz and and Modric who are great at that as well. But, but kind of knowing that like the attack is really, really hinging on you being able to beat your man one-on-one like that like our attack is very reliant on that and uh the fact that he is able to do it at the rate he has and then obviously he's been really good at creating this season too and i think it's also helped that rodrigo is starting to also kind of find his groove in this team uh and can i can i, I actually just huge. like i you make a really good point i want to like touch on that really quickly I believe if you watch like Rodrigo's last five goals, they're all, if almost all, I, I might, you might have to fact check me on this. I think they're almost all game winners or like goals that progress a team or Real Madrid through to like the next round of something, uh, which is kind of outrageous just in terms of big time goals. Yeah, and look, we saw last season in the Champions League specifically, he was he was that guy too, scoring the the crucial goals against Chelsea and Real Madrid, or, or sorry, and uh, City. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's that kind of bet that they that Madrid, when I say they, made years ago, where they were just like, we're never losing another bazillion. <laughs> You like wonder kid to Barcelona ever again. We're just not letting that happen. <laughs> so we're going to hoover up all of them. <laughs> and, and, and as long as a couple of them hit, then we're good. Um, that literally, that is actually Florentino <laughs> Perez's thought process. Like that's spot on exactly how he's like after Neymar, he's like, never again. <laughs> Give me, I'll just buy Santos at this point. It was great. It was, it's great. It was so, it's so shameless. And it's also like, you know, there are only a few teams in the world that can make that gamble. So it's like if you you might as well like use your advantage in that sense. I'm just gonna get all the wonder kids. It's literally what Chelsea's doing right now. So it's like it's, <laughs> we'll get to you in a second. But um, but yeah, no, Vinicius has been great, and then that's a great result, like you said, for Sociedad and for Takikubo. I, I know we talked about it a bit a couple weeks ago, but a guy who is been in the youth system of both Barcelona and Real Madrid. He's played for, you know, he, he's gone or bumped around a bit for a bit more than most for a 21-year-old playing at this level. And uh, I'm just happy to see that, I feel like this year's his breakout season. And this plus, you know, the, the Japanese performance in the in the World Cup. So very happy, happy for him because it, it's been a, a weird road, a bit of a weird road, and we know not yeah. every player's yeah. journey is the same. You make a really good point. Um, Takakubo has definitely had his fair share of ups and downs, uh, from injuries to going to Mallorca and then going on loan. Like, just the whole... Tra- and, uh, I, technically, I think he's... Is he even owned by Real Madrid now? I don't. I don't. I don't think so anymore. But I, I at this point, it's like a Morata situation. I, no one really knows who owns him. Um, but he is starting to hit a stride, and Sociedad, I think, are the perfect place for him to continue to do that because they are a top four team right now. They are they're playing at the rate of a top four team, the form of one, and he is surrounded by incredible playmakers as well. So it's not the burden is not all on him, and I think that's really important for for a young player. So. I'll I'll leave that to the side when it comes to I guess this is our match of the the week for Real Madrid against Sociedad. I just want to briefly touch on th- three things really quickly. One a little bit more. The Copa del Rey draw this morning, uh, Rian. We officially have a two-legged Clasico in the semifinal. Uh, pretends to be shocked. <laughs> of course, that's yeah. Everyone is not shocked by that at all. Funny how that worked out. Um, so of course Barcelona Real Madrid. Two-legged semifinal, and then Bill Bow gets Osasuna, which will be great to see 
any of these two teams in the final. I'm very excited, and I'm honestly really glad that we get to see one of these two teams in the final, um, and not just a Barcelona uh, Real Madrid Clasico, or excuse me, a Clasico final. Uh, this is what I mean. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen with the scheduling of these games because Barcelona have the Europa League, <laughs> Real Madrid have the Champions League. There is a chance that these semifinal games don't get played, at least for these two teams, I want to say until like late March and then early April, uh, just based on scheduling. Um, so just t TBD there, but at least I wanted to mention that, yes, in fact, we do have two more Clasicos, which will bring us up to five Clasicos on the year which I believe ties the record from 2011 when we had five that year. So I have to, I think I said that a couple weeks ago, but I have to double check that. So yes, that's it. Um, then I can move on to my surprise and disappointment. I, I mean, the, the thing that made the, the 2011 situation so enthralling, I mean, other than the fact that it was Pep Guardiola and <laughs> Mourinho and Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi and, and, you know, a bunch of like some of the best players this sport's ever seen. Outside of that, um, <laughs> the thing that made it so great was that they played each other four times in like two weeks, and and uh, I don't know if that I don't know if the schedule is going to work out the same way here, but uh, but that was what was so crazy about about that particular time. Um, yeah, but having having a two legged Classico, yeah, we're not going to complain at all. Nope. not at all. And you make a really good point. It was it was I believe three times in like. The span of 10 days so it was nuts um i don't think we'll i mean we may see that again who knows but i don't think we'll see that for a while i'm just happy to get more classicos amazing and more money for my club to actually pay our players so <laughs> I'll, I'll take it uh but anyway Rian, moving on uh i wanted to, to give a shout out to a specific player who uh i know you have some certain feelings about <laughs> um saul um scoring the winner for atletico that's his fourth goal um that he's ever scored, I believe, after being subbed on in any league in Europe. Um, but all of them have actually been for Atletico. <laughs> and that, I think, ends a 35-game run uh, without a goal scored, which is basically the entire season, or an entire season of games. So, yeah. I just wanted to, to give a shout-out to Saul, who has started to maybe slightly find his form again. I will say, I forgot to mention this before, the Real Madrid part, Ceballos is someone we haven't talked about in a little bit more detail. We talked about him last weekend briefly. Um, started against Real Sociedad, played really well. And um, we could see, I don't know, maybe some sort of merit-based system for Ancelotti instead of just Modric Cruz and, I guess, Chouameni when he's healthy kind of thing. Just yeah, going back well, like, to the Real Madrid. He's going to need to. If he keeps... If he kept going with those the same Cruz and Modric in a lot of these games, we would have gotten to like March, and Cruz would have been coming off at halftime of these Champions League games. Whereas last season he was coming off at the 60th minute, like clockwork. It's, it's just it's unsustainable. It was unsustainable. Um, but just quickly on on Atletico, who honestly since the World Cup have actually. In overall results, very good. Like their only losses in all competitions have been to Barcelona and Real Madrid. Barcelona in in the league in a game where they probably, well, funny enough, Barcelona kind of <laughs> like did the Atletico thing in terms of, like, yeah. um, especially the end of that game. And then they lose to Real Madrid in the in the Copa del Rey, of course. But outside of that, they, it's been just those two losses: a draw to Almeria. And then four, or five wins here. So it, it's been a good, a much better and much more encouraging uh, post-World Cup than where we were at right before the World Cup with Simeone. And I, I guess it did help getting the flair players out of the team. And that helped. They're starting to find their identity is, is really, I think, what we're starting to see. And now, I think we, we said there was really two ways this could go. They either are going to sack Diego Simeone because the team has the makeup of the, of the squad, especially with like the talented players like talented attackers specifically that they have now just didn't fit with his philosophy or they could go option two and move the players on which 
which is an option. It's the harder one. It's the much harder one to do than just sacking the coach. But uh, obviously we know that the history and genuinely the amazing accomplishments that Simeone has done with this team over the past decade, especially up against Barcelona and Real Madrid, he's probably deserved the the leash at least for the rest of the season and, and to be supported in the January transfer market as he has been. Yeah, you make a really good point. I don't... I don't see a world where he leaves before that, but look, he is also basically like a run of two games away or a poor run of two games from like being again back on the really, really hot seat. I don't think he will leave before the summer, but he is basically gone the summer, I believe. Like he is paid a lot of money by Atletico. He is like a very good coach. It's just, I think his time has come in terms of actually setting the identity of this team. And the Zhao Felix piece of all of this and him leaving, I think was like the start of, of the recognition of that from, from Atletico and, and from the, I guess, at a board and president level. Yeah. Uh, well, at least if you believe that, God <laughs> bless. I, I think the only way he, personally, I think the only way he leaves is if he resigns. But yeah. Yeah, he very well could. Uh, he he very well could. Uh, I don't know if he will, but he he honestly, I'll say this: I do think he leaves in the summer. I said this last summer <laughs> when he didn't, but I do think he leaves the <laughs> summer. I just don't think it'll ever be the club. But I don't think the club will ever fight unless things get really terrible and we're talking like they're in twelfth or something like that. Yeah, but I I find it really difficult to see that the club will make that decision. That's valid. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Well, I can see him leaving on his own accord um, yeah. come come the summertime. Last thing on La Liga, Rian, uh, manager who did not leave on his own accord. <laughs> um, Gattuso is out at Valencia. Valencia currently sit in 14th right now, uh, a game in hand over Sevilla, who sit in 13th now. <laughs> We're now out of the relegation zone, but only two points above it still because that the bottom of the... The Spanish table is absolutely wild. Um, Valencia have lost slash tied three out of their last... Well, sorry, they've lost three out of their last four, um, and they have not... They've only won one in five. So it's been a very poor run of games. They lost to Valladolid yesterday, which is, quite frankly, embarrassing. Um, And it was a a last-minute goal, I believe, as well, which just makes it tough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they have not had a fun run in in the league since i mean i have no idea when it's been quite honestly good for them but it's a little tough there were some really good moments for gattuso i just i do think stylistically there's a clash between some of the how do i phrase this some of the old guard of valencia (laughs) against some of the new guards slash what gattuso had in mind uh, it, it's a shame that's the way it went out because having him around was just fun. But nonetheless, a poor run of one win in five games for a club as big as Valencia is not going to fly. That's fair. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because as you said, I mean, Sevilla won, uh, granted they've won three of their last four, but they won a couple games and they were immediately out of relegations though. Like you, you've talked about how close it is from 10th, basically, well, from 11th, really, down to 19th. They're only separated by five points. So it's a bit surprising to me that they, I know, you know, bad run aside, but they obviously, one, are, are talented, are probably too talented to get relegated. And I know that yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean anything at the end of the day if they do get relegated, but... They're probably too talented, talented to get relegated. They're in this, yeah, very, very tight bottom half. And, and yes, they're only one point off of relegation zone, but they've got a game in hand on almost everyone else um, in the bottom half. And then on top of it all, they actually have the sixth best expected goal difference per game this oh, well. season. I didn't know so, that. <laughs> like, so, so you could even say, so they've probably been unlucky in some senses too, right? But um, it's it, it, it's just a difficult spot that, that I, I guess that the Valencia have been put in in general, and we know 
the past few years have been difficult financially, but I'm, I'm not sure that, that they had to make this decision right now. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. I, I actually fully agree. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they get a couple, if, they, if a few results start going their way over the next few weeks, and then they're just kind of hanging around that 10th to 8th area. Yeah, for a while. Well, the next game is against uh, Real Madrid, funny enough, in the league because they missed it because the Copa, or not, excuse me, the Spanish Super Cup games that took place earlier in the month. So they're replaying them midweek. So uh, if they get a good result there, yeah. Uh, then it almost looks like everything is justified, but hopefully that's in some ways not the case. I'm not. I'm not wishing for a win for either team at this point, quite frankly. But yeah, let's take a quick break. We've gone through all of the football-related actual activities and recaps. What's happened? Again, not that much has happened. And obviously, the Premier League there were no games. It's only FA Cup, and then it's one pretty big game in in La Liga. But we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the transfers and the rumored transfers which sort of blow my mind then we'll wrap up ladies and gentlemen welcome back we're talking everything transfer rumors rian has assured me during our little mini break that we just had that this is going to be quick hits but just looking at the first one on the list i'm not necessarily convinced um rian let's jump right into it Uh, there have obviously been transfers that have already occurred by the way this is all but confirmed i think it's fair to say at this point Cancelo from Manchester City to Bayern on loan with a 70 million euro option to buy at the end of the season. What? (laughs) This game, this literally came out of nowhere. And also we're talking about a game or excuse me, a game, a player over, I would say the last two games has sort of lost his starting place to, is it fair to say Rico Williams or, Rico Lewis. Lewis. Lewis, Thank you. I confused Nico Williams with. uh, Yes. Thank you. Um, What? Like, do you know where this came from? I still have, like, all day I've been trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, You. I'd been hearing or reading that there was some tension uh, with his lack of game time. Like, specifically, I think one of the things that I saw that was cited was his lack of game time since coming back from the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We know that a good amount of that has had to do with um, Rico Lewis, obviously emerging a, a, in the right back spot for for City, um, and that spot is usually like Walker and Cancelo, right? And then left back has been almost exclusively Nathan Ake, who's who has, as you noted earlier in, um, in the episode, like he's been really good recently. It sounds like it was just more of a player is unhappy. So as as Man City and specifically Pep Guardiola is what has does like as soon as you're like not in the best mood, you're pretty much gone. <laughs> and and he just and look, they they've been really successful with it over the last four or five, six years um, with making that judgment call of when to sell a player, right? Uh, and a lot of it has had to do with just, like, letting a guy go when he wants to go. And, and granted, that's much easier for some teams to do than others. But uh, they're they're pretty steadfast on it. They let the players go, and, and that's what happened in this situation. And I am... Um, not to come... This feels to me similar to last January when Arsenal let Aubameyang go, right? The right decision, of course, ends up being the right decision, like in terms of like player and like the possible mood, right, in the dressing room and whatever those those personality differences, if we want to call it that, made sense in that in that way didn't make sense for the rest of their season in the sense that they only had Lacazette and, and yeah. you know, a, a Eddie Nketiah, who was basically getting his first Premier League minutes, right? And that was their striker. Those were their strikers for the rest of that season, right? This reminds me of that because, well, one, this is, who knows, this might be worse because Cancelo is at a much higher level in his position than Aubameyang was when, yeah. when he went to Barcelona. But the same sense of they're now 
currently going to be relying on Nathan Ake to play that left back position and Sergio Gomez, who a guy that they just signed over the summer and hasn't played that much for them anyway. So there's obviously there must be a reason why he has not um, played that much outside of obviously Cancelo being a great player <laughs> and, and keeping him out uh, is all along with Nathan Ake. But I just think the timing of this is not really conducive to like squad management for the rest of the season. And and obviously I could be wrong. And and if Nathan Ake doesn't get injured at all, and, and he's not a guy that deals with injuries very often anyway, um, if he just stays fit for the entirety of the rest of the season and they don't have to really worry about that, then it's then it's not an issue. But I will be curious to see what happens tomorrow with them in terms of a left do they try to go sign another left back? And, or or like loan one I, I, or something like the, that. The problem the problem with this for, for Manchester City is that it I really like the analogy for stuff that you made to Arsenal last year with Aubameyang. I think it's actually very similar, but the, there's a bigger problem. You sort of alluded to it. The market for left backs right now is extremely thin. So it's not like you can call up, I don't know, sporting or you know your sister club in Girona or like you can't not on the, especially not on the last day like that's really difficult so quite honestly like yeah I, I don't see a world where that happens but I guess I've seen crazier things happen you know like it, it very well could yeah I mean this was this in itself was all was uh surprising that it happened so close to the to the end of the the window seriously here, right um on the Bayern side, that's that's pretty great for them. I think Masraoui has been injured um, yeah. for them. He's a normal right back, and they they seem unwilling to put Joshua Kimmich back in that position because I mean, he's I mean he's been great <laughs> in every position that they play him in. But uh, I, they seem reluctant to take him away from the midfield, which also makes sense. And yeah. this is yeah. a good this is a good play for them. I mean, their other right back option is is Pavard, who's it's basically a center back playing right back. Uh, and so this is, it's a good, it's really good for Bayern, I think. Um, and they don't have to buy him at the end of the season, right? I, I'd be surprised if they end up spending 70 million on him. Maybe, maybe he does end up signing with them, but I'd be really surprised if they end up spending 70 million on it, on him. I would as well. And I feel like that's there more as like a negotiation clause than it is like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see that being a fee that, yeah, maybe there. Maybe there's a team you, out there. How often do you see? Yeah, how often do you see Bayern spend that much money on any singular player? Anyway, so no. Yeah, I I would be truly shocked by that. But Rian, I I, I that this just really blows my mind. <laughs> like in a market where really really talented left backs are few and far between. Uh, yeah, I mean Bayern got a real one. Bayern really yeah. like. Damn. Did I say left backs? Did I mean right backs? What did I mean? Oh, I mean he plays left back. He's he's playing yeah. le- play mostly left back for a city. It's I like know it's more, it's more he's about basically a ten. <laughs> he is. It's just more about where does he fit in a Bayern, and I think it's probably more so on the right yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, we left. expect him to play right back. That yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting because I think he's looked best playing that left back position where you can be a lot more free. But they have Alfonso Davies there, so that's not completely happening. agree. Completely agree. It's not, but it's not happening. Yes. Not <laughs> yeah. <happening. laughs> correct. That is correct. Well, Rian, let's move and talk about the rest of them. Uh, Weston McKinney on loan with an option to buy from Juventus to Leeds. Juventus starting their clear out of we need money and help and probably why we should have started the Euro or Super League like two years ago um, tour now. So what do you make of this? Because Leeds are obviously the word on the street is <laughs> the joke on the street. Obviously they're turning it to the U S national team, but um, Leeds USA, here we come. I mean, do, I, I don't know if we are going to see all three American players on the field at the start for, for Leeds. I could be wrong, but I feel right, like do you mean by, at the start, do you mean like in the, in the first game that, that McKenney plays in, yeah. Like I don't, I don't think McKenney yeah. comes into this this side and starts a beat. Like he's an immediate yeah. starter, um, but very ta- talented addition to this team. 
like by yeah. far. I, I'd be curious more so from your perspective, like what do you think he adds to leads? And <laughs> at this point, does he outlive Jesse Marsh? <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, I'll always I'll always bet on the player outliving the the coach uh but that might be the Chelsea fan in me um, <laughs> but um nice. to, to talk about to, to talk about the I guess where he fits into this team that is my biggest question mark too I I I am always going to be very cautious on how I talk about Wes Henry Kenny, because I have these two divergent thoughts, of course, like the player <laughs> that he is on the U.S. Um, versus the player that I see play on club teams uh, and, and kind of like the role, the basically the responsibility that he's given mm-hmm. on these on in those two situations. It, as it, look, Allegri, I will be one of the first to say he is a ter- he's a terrorist. He's basically a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> like I've watched enough of those Juventus games to to be able to watch uh, McKenny and it's it's terrorism. It genuinely <laughs> is. Uh, and so you know, I'll just think- before you go any further, you know, I can't name this episode terrorism, right? That no. can't be a thing I do. Okay, all right, <laughs> naturally. Continue. Just so people know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. All right. <laughs> And, and and that is why I, I take every I'm really trying to take every Juventus player with a great assault uh, when they leave Juventus. Like Betancourt has obviously looked like a very very useful, very good like good player for Spurs. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of other situations, but I can't think of a lot. Where like I I, I there are these two different thoughts. McKinney, very good on the U.S. International soccer, a very less structured kind of game and and more chaotic, and I think he thrives in that. So that could be a pro going to Leeds where they're, the, Jesse Marsh's whole game plan is chaos, basically. Uh, the tough thing is that even though Allegri hates having the ball, he didn't ever put Weston McKenney in a position where he trusted him to have the ball. And I I'm I don't know how, how much that what that means. I don't know well I know what it could mean. I'm yeah. just saying I don't know Racismo- how- No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> well, you know, that's always in the back of the mind. It's all, it's, this is Italy we are talking about. So correct. <laughs> and an Italian coach. So that's always in play. But I'm talking more in the sense of not trusting McKenny to be a part of his team's like ball progression and when he's playing like in the center of midfield. The amount of times that he had McKenny playing like right wing back or when he wasn't playing that more defensive position, McKenny was like fully like a second striker sometimes. So I don't expect that'll be his role at Leeds. I'm not exactly sure what he I'm not exactly sure that his strengths are something that Leeds needs, and that didn't mean to rhyme like that, but I'm not sure that like him coming to that team is going to make them significantly better. I think having his talent might be like a floor raiser kind of thing. Um, I'll be interested to see if they roll out a, a midfield of Adams, McKenney, and, and Rocca same time, because... I think I still have my doubts about Wesson's passing at this. At I just, I just still have my doubts about his passing. I, I just can't say that. I don't it think looked it, improved it, during the World Cup. It did. It did. I, I it did. still, I share the and same I, concerns. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's like a plus passer. But you know, the guy's got a great engine, and that'll always translate in in the Premier League. And we saw how it translated with Tyler Adams, uh, and. Yeah, I think I think he's probably so better than he's definitely better than any center midfielder that they would rotate into any game like sub on or whatever. So I think it's it feels like more of a floor raise in terms of like you have more talent now on paper, um, and I feel more confident about them staying up. I don't necessarily think that him joining the team is going to make them any. I think their ceiling is still like fourteenth realistically so that was long-winded way to to say that i 
<laughs> I think it's slight, good, I think it's slight, a good move for Leeds yeah. overall. I I am unsure if he's going to look that much better than he did in Italy. Oh, that's all I'll say. Completely fair. I, I kind of agree with you. Um, let's move on, Rian, and talk about a player going who went from Spain to England and now back to Spain. Um, Brian Hill is on his way back home, I guess, to Sevilla, on loan through the rest of the season as well. Um, can can I just want to before we even get into like what Brian Hill could mean for Sevilla? This is a player that went to Spurs from Sevilla for twenty five million euros plus Eric Lamella, stayed at Spurs for a hot minute, and just a cup went of coffee. back. Yeah, and went back to Sevilla, a Sevilla team in which they kept twenty five million euros. And they still have Eric Lamella. So Sevilla didn't actually give up anything and just got 25 million euros and Eric Lamella. Like, that's all that happened in this weird saga. Assuming, of course, Brian Hill stays beyond his loan spell. I, <laughs> this is so weird to me. Like, it's, it really is. <laughs> it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just Conte, like, where, like, he doesn't. As soon as he doesn't want the player, they're gone. Like there's no <laughs> really, and and he we know he has no pretty much no patience for for like young players who are not like the finished product as well. Yeah, and so I feel bad for Brian Hill, and and I hope they didn't just waste like a year of his career. That would be really sad. But um, he's young enough, obviously that that could make it all up on the back end. But um. Yeah, it's it's a really weird, weird one, and you know, uh, it's. I don't. It's, I don't think there's anything beyond it's that. A bit of a waste. A bit of a waste. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a player that I think we all we both sort of like highly rated, especially when I was at, he was at Sevilla, and then now Oliver Torres sort of come onto the scene for Sevilla. I don't know where if he slots in immediately. Like this was apparently a, a specific request uh, from Sampaioli, but I don't see him immediately starting again. Sort of like McKinney. Like, I just don't know if, like, look, Sevilla's woes come from their midfield into their back line, not necessarily from their wingers. So I just don't see it necessarily being an immediate need. But, hey, maybe somebody always sees something different in training than I do. And they also did just lose Isco, so could be entirely valid. Um, Rian, let's go through one last one. Mateus Cunha to Wolves. Um, this was one I feel like you, you were a little bit more excited about than I was. I was sad actually for Atletico to lose him. Um, especially knowing that he, you know, very sorry, Atletico have now also lost Jean Felix. Like I, I didn't see it making a lot of sense for Atletico, but I feel like he's played pretty well for Wolf so far. Yeah. Yeah. He, start, he started off well. I, I just, I just like this from a, Again, they they were in a tough situation with Raul Jimenez. Not he still hasn't really recovered from that terrible head injury. Um, was it about a year ago? Yeah. So it's it's uh no I just I just like it for because I liked I liked the player in the ties that he played at uh for Atleti and he was very good for um I think it was I think it was Berlin I think it was Berlin that he came from um so excited to see Cunha play under. Lopetegui, who's a who he knows a really good coach too, and um, I think it's just like a high upside move for for Wolves. I think you don't lose much. I, I believe the the fee was around like forty million or something like that. So I I, I think it's like a nice upside sell, uh, buy for for Wolves. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much it. The the at least. I'll, I'll roll through a few of the rumors here, and and you just tell me if you want to stop and talk about it. Any, I'll just um, yell stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you can pick it out. So first one seems like Chelsea's going back for Enzo Fernandez. Stop. Um, <laughs> from what we see, like I I'm not trust. Look, I don't trust any transfer rumor anymore. Like I don't look when it happens. It happens. I'll I'll be. I'll keep myself up to date with kind of like the progress, quote unquote. But 
I'm not expecting this one, but if it does happen, wow, yes, obviously I'll be really happy. Um, has anything to say, <laughs> say on that one? We're, we're here, like, if it happens, it will be for a record fee. We know that. Like, it will be whatever record for the English Premier League there is. Like, that's that's what it will be. I, I will say this. I'm surprised Benfica are not saying yes already uh, to 120 million euros. Like, Honestly. cold, hard cash. I am obviously, well, amortization, whatever aside, but I'm installed blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very surprised that they are not immediately saying yes to this. Um, I quite honestly, like, I think Chelsea are overpaying. I think they probably know that, Definitely. but Enzo Fernandez is that talented. Like, I, I think, I think it's just that simple. Um, and this is, I thought about this before the World Cup, even though I think a lot of people probably didn't know him before the World Cup. Like, he was, he's been balling for Benfica all season. Let's be very clear about this. So it's not like Chelsea are buying a lemon, but I do think they're overpaying by a significant margin. And this, we, I want to have this conversation with you much later on in like the season and maybe towards the end of the season. But I'm starting to think that the Premier League are actually, inadvertently and maybe knowingly creating their own super league knowing, but knowingly i yeah. it's knowingly okay for sure. sure and i think we're there i think we're there um yeah look the, definitely every player like like there, it's hard to pick a player right now that's not an overpay <laughs> like like unless someone's getting a player for like 40 million max like it's hard to say anyone is not an overpay but um but yeah i i, I agree like from the benfica side I'm also surprised they're not, they have not, they didn't, I'm surprised they didn't take it in the first place. So when earlier in the month, there's basically this offer was on the table um, for the simple matter of the fact, they're not going to get that money in the summer. It, they're just not. Um, especially when you think about like Jude Bellingham is going to be available in the summer. Declan Rice will most likely be moving clubs in the summer. Like, the money just won't, they, they won't be able to use like scarcity, <laughs> like as a, as a yeah. negotiation point. So uh yeah, but a, a great player who, like, if they don't sell him now, they will sell him for probably like eighty million pounds in the in the summer. But yeah, they're not going to get a cent. They're not going to get a cent more than what they're being offered now. So uh, yeah. Well, um, uh, let's let's game through the rest of them because yeah, quickly through the rest of them. Jorginho to Arsenal is a rumor right now, which I assume would only happen if Enzo Fernandez goes to Chelsea. But oh man. Uh, <laughs> I I won't say too much of that. I I myself will be I'll probably be sadder than most Chelsea fans of Jorginho leaving. But um, as I said in in our little group chat <laughs> earlier today, like the last shred of athleticism that he had is gone. It's completely gone. <laughs> so um, that would be an interesting one for Arsenal and. Uh yeah, that would be an interesting one. That would give me the William signing vibes hard. <laughs> um, the the other one is Caicedo. Uh, Arsenal put in two bids in like three days for almost like seventy million pounds, and Brighton are just holding firm on him. And I don't expect him to leave because I think they'll. I mean, they might get somewhere pretty close to that in the summer. Um, considering the market, he might be the cheapest option out there for, for a team looking for a player in that position. Um, and then uh, last couple here, Pedro Poro, right wing back from Sporting, wasn't going to Sp was going to Spurs, then wasn't. Now it looks like he might be going, um, and would just be an obvious upgrade over Emerson. So I think there is no overpay for, for Spurs there, considering their other right wing back options. Um, and the final one was Connor Gallagher. Everton reportedly put in a bid for about 40 million pounds for him. Yeah, and, what? Which, you know, I no, no Everton's signing or, or position or, uh, um, decision can surprise you at this point, really. But yeah, if I, I, I almost hesitate to believe it's even true because if that was the case, and again, I think that's pretty dependent on whether Chelsea signed a midfielder. I honestly but, think it's actually dependent on Sean Dyche coming in and saying, "Oh hmm. God, I need 
someone else that's not this <laughs> midfield. So, uh, but yes. Oh God bless. Yeah. But yeah, those are, those are the other big rumors that we've heard. And, um, there'll be so many more, to, there'll probably be at least a handful more tomorrow, but, um, I think that's pretty much it. At least, um, We've got a very interesting deadline day coming up. Deadline day at the time of recording, at least, is tomorrow. And uh, I, I can almost wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be good with that. I'm just going to check it probably. Another, another fun one was uh, it looks like Isco is going to Union Berlin. Union Berlin, yeah. And and that team is sitting second in the Bundesliga right now. This past weekend was pretty crazy for, for Germany where Bayern drew again. Um, I think they had the third straight draw, and they're only a point up in in the league and second is union in berlin so isco coming in potentially for a title push that that would be such a funny weird uh story for the second half couldn't agree more <laughs> well i'll leave it at that rian rian has some um i believe he has some bachelor watching to do so he has to go um and i'm gonna go make myself a nice dinner and we will talk with you all in a couple of days I I'm going to be going on vacation for a couple of days too. So it's going to be much needed, but I'm going to try and watch as much football as possible. We'll talk with you all soon. Thank you as always for listening and stay well. Thanks guys.